everybody. Welcome to another episode of Freight Be Moving All Things Logistics with me, Jewel Williams, your host. Happy Thanksgiving, Junior. I guess that's what we're at. We are just on the eve of Thanksgiving. I cannot believe we are almost done with 2022 and we are just barreling into 2023. I'm so excited. So today, I wanted to talk about something that's been in the news. I'm sure many of you have already heard about it. I saw some information about it floating across social media a few days ago, and I thought today would be a good day to kind of dig into this after I did some research. And the news is about mass layoffs. You know, every year around this time, it's sad, but we see a lot of mass layoffs with companies. It's, you know, I don't understand it because the holiday season is supposed to be the time when we're joyful and we're celebrating that we made another year. We're giving thanks for all the blessings that we have. And yet many of us have suffered a layoff. I mean, earlier this month, you had layoffs from C.H. Robinson. There has been announcements from Amazon doing mass layoffs. There's been uh, numerous, just numerous reports about more companies laying off people. And the latest that is circling pretty heavy in the news is the layoff from Lane Furniture Company, also known as United Furniture Inc. And they are a furniture manufacturer, distributor, from what I can find out. I'm not clear, so I don't want to misrepresent. I'm not clear 100% if they manufactured all their furniture, but I do know that they were in the furniture business. When you do a Google search, as I love to do, you can see that the company had uh, furniture at Big Lots, Amazon, American Freight even, uh, the Classy Home, Wayfair, um, AFA Stores, which I believe that's the um, military shopping. But looking at all this, I'm like, wow, you know, the company had furniture in a number of places. So the report that I'm reading off of is the one that is in CDL Life and Ashley um, wrote about this November 22nd. And the story basically says that several of, or all of the employees received an electronic message stating that they no longer had a job, that the company had experienced some unexpected event and they had to lay off everybody immediately and that the only ones that were not immediately terminated were people making deliveries. So they're some of their truck drivers. And so, you know, I'm always curious as to when does an employer know that things are not looking too good? Now, I'm a business owner. Thankfully, I have me and I have a virtual assistant. All that I do is me and a virtual assistant. 
Now, of course, my goal is to expand that. However, at this time, I know what my cash flow is. I know what my business is capable of doing and what the market condition is to my business. Now, thankfully, I don't have to worry about a whole bunch of people to tell what's going on. But it got me to wondering, like, when should a business owner share that information? When should they be open and transparent? And should they be open and transparent? Should they tell their employees, hey, currently the company is in trouble and we may not be able to keep our doors open? Should they wean them off? You know, what, what, what should they do? Comment down below. I would love to hear you guys chime in as to what's your thoughts on an employer being truthful about the fact that employees will no longer have a job, especially around the holidays. I mean, it's Thanksgiving tomorrow. Really? So love to hear your comments. Comment down below. If you like what you're seeing, give a thumbs up. Go ahead and hit the like button for me. I would love to have you as a subscriber as I am producing content to not only just entertain you, but to also keep you informed about things to help you make decisions as you're growing your business, as you're developing as a leader in your business, or even developing as a leader in your organization that you work in. Information is the key. All right, now back to the programming. So I was looking at some of the information and in regards to warning signs, one of the biggest warning signs that raised to me was the fact that in the summer of 2022, the company UFI fired its CEO, CFO, and executive vice president of sales and laid off about 300 workers. Now that was in the summer of this year, 2022. To me, that is a huge warning sign that something was disarray in the organization. Yet as an employee, you may not have a lot of options as it looks like the company has locations in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, in Tupelo, Mississippi, and Victorville, California. So several locations and when I read the 300, was that 300 at one location? Was it at several locations? So if it was spread out, maybe people didn't really think oh, anything of it. They probably thought, well, it's just some changes going on. And if people weren't satisfied with the performance of the company and they saw these three individuals getting laid off or fired, they also may have thought, well, new management is going to come in, clean things up, and things will be smooth sailing. So that didn't happen. But at the same time, there were, there were still probably other warning signs that some people may have thought they saw, but weren't sure that they saw. So I got to thinking, when should people say something? 
Uh, and and why don't leaders say something? Why do they keep it a secret? So I Googled, and here's some answers that Google gave me. So why do leaders withhold information? They often, they are often motivated by personal gain or protection from the consequences of their poor performance. So that was stated by Benoit Consulting Firm, January 2021. That is a good reason why most leaders won't say anything. The other one was, why do managers hide information? The response of this question was, these leaders and managers secretly believe knowledge is power and therefore seek to keep any valuable knowledge to themselves. Now I have a story behind that. Um, But before I get to that, so this came out by People Development Magazine in September 24th, 2020. So I have a story behind that. I have met several leaders that do not share information. And it, it always perplexes me because if you want me to perform effectively and efficiently, information is essential. It is a critical element to top performance. That's my belief. And so when leaders are not sharing, this right here is a key indicator to to that fact. They believe knowledge is power. So it is about holding on to power because they fear something. And there's really nothing you as a person can do other than to empower yourself. And to empower yourself, if your leaders are not going to empower you, is you have to learn how to see the information by looking at the signs around you, by evaluating the environment, paying attention. And it's not that something you have to announce to everybody, but you have to raise your sense of awareness as to what is happening in your organization. Some organizations release newsletters to keep people informed about key topics. Make sure you're getting a copy of that newsletter. Make sure you're reading it. Some people are watching what's going around, watching how volumes go up and down in cycles. One of the things I used to do is I used to keep on my calendar my hours because when I had high hours, that means we were very busy. Low hours, we weren't so busy. So that was my way of keeping an indication of how busy we were. And that way it showed me the cycles. So at the beginning of the month, if I saw constant higher hours of work, that told me the first two weeks of the month, more than likely I would have some overtime and it's busy. If it dropped down towards the middle of the week, month, okay, we get slower within that third week. And it doesn't begin to pick up until probably the tail end of the fourth week. And then we're busy in the first two weeks. Now let's say that pattern goes on for several months and then one month, I see a flat line. 
I see we stay consistently around the same amount of hours every week throughout the month. So I will evaluate that to tell me, is this a continuing trend or is this something that's just a hiccup in the system? And of course, paying attention to local news, paying attention to the news about the industry that you're in, all of those things are things to help you become more aware and in tune to what is happening in your organization so that you can be prepared for situations like this. Now, one of the stories I was going to tell is in working with a friend, and I call them a friend loosely, I asked the person one time about how they got into business doing something. And the person said to me that they don't share information because then somebody could go out and duplicate what they're doing. So a lot of people live in fear of somebody else coming in, doing what they're doing and pushing them aside. The fact of the matter is, everything has an expiration date. Everything. I didn't coin that, but my niece did. So I'm gonna do a shout out to Lorena and say, thank you for coining that on Facebook. So everything has an expiration date. Everything has an expiration date. We're going to expire someday. All right, let's get back to some of the quotes or some of the information as to why do people withhold knowledge? So in this one, it says, why do people not share information? It says they are afraid that if they share knowledge, they will lose their status as a guru. They will lose their status as a guru. Now, this was uh, stated on a LinkedIn post, 16 Reasons Why People Don't Share Their Knowledge, September 29th, 2014. People want to be seen as knowledgeable, as the go-to. I feel that if you can fish, you will help me in the long run because if my stream grows a little light, maybe you might toss me some fish. Maybe you might toss me some information on where I can go to find more information. It's There's abundance of knowledge and people are going to find it one way or another. So that might be another reason why people don't share. So in doing this whole process, I also got to thinking, is the right to know a part of our constitution. We all have freedom of speech. That is our first amendment right, freedom of speech. Some speech is not protected. Your obscenities and profanity and inciting violence and things like that. Yet, for the most part, we have freedom of speech. Yet we do not have anything in our constitution that says we have a right to know. That's right. It says here, that there is nothing in the Constitution about the public's right to know. Nothing. Isn't that something? We don't have the right to know. So if we don't have the right to know, that means we have to take the initiative to learn on our own. Yes, I think we take for granted that because we go to school and we're taught 
that we have the right to know. But going to school and being taught is about conditioning us so that we can be in the workforce. That's it. If they, they, that's the incentive behind teaching us. It's not necessarily about us having a right to be educated. It is about our economy would implode if we stopped teaching people information. So, but once you get beyond that high school, unless you go to college, once you enter the workforce, a lot of employers don't think it's relevant to teach their people what to know. Now there is a law though called the WARN Act, Worker Adjustment and Retraining Notification Act under 29 USC 2100. And that act protects workers, their families and communities by requiring most employers, keyword most employers, with 100 or more employees to provide notification 60 calendar days in advance of plant closings and mass layoffs. So there is a law that protects workers. However, there are some if, ands, or buts about it. And that is where we come to the fact sheet on workers and the labor law. So according to the U.S. Department of Labor, and I will, let me pause. I'm going to include this in the show notes. So if you want to read this Worker Adjustment and Retraining Notification Act fact sheet, you can. If nothing else, it prepares you for a what if. And you might be able to share it with somebody you know who's you may think is in this condition. So the act basically encourages employers to give their employees sufficient notice about a closing. And of course, that would be a nice thing to do. Yet, as we see, employers don't agree or see it in the same way. And one of the things that's kind of tricky in this is this employer coverage. So it basically describes the if and or buts about the law as far as employers complying with it. And what it says is, in general, employers are covered by WARN if they have 100 or more employees, not counting employees who have worked less than six months in the last 12 months, and not counting employees who work an average of less than 20 hours a week. Private for-profit employers and private non-profit employers are covered, as are public and quasi-public entities which operate in a commercial context and are separately organized from the regular government. Regular federal, state, and local government entities which provide public services are not covered. So let's just throw out some numbers. Um, Let's say that the company has 200 employees. However, 50 of those employees were hired in the last six months. 
So that's out. So now we're down to 150 employees. And let's say another 70 of those employees work 20 hours a week or less than 20 hours a week. They're part-time. So if that's the case, then you're left with 150, 120, you're left with 80 employees. So you could kind of skate. Employers could kind of skate by if that was the case. So I did some homework because I was curious about this company. And everything that I talk about is public knowledge. Everything that I discuss, I can find on the internet and I can find anything I want to find. So I went to, the company is, is, does business in Tupelo, Mississippi. So I went to the Secretary of State's Tupelo, Mississippi website and I searched for the company and I found that there were several registered businesses of the company. Now what I found interesting was when looking at some of the records, the main persons that were showing up were Todd Evans and a Linda, I want to say Linda Barr, but I know Todd Evans is the chief, chief operating officer. And there were several entities listed with his name on them that were active. Two of those entities were most important to me as they pertain to logistics, and they are the UFI Transportation LLC and the LS Logistics LLC. Now, why would I be caring about just those two? Because as transportation and logistics, that's what I do, all things logistics, this is a transportation and logistics problem. This company just laid off several workers who were drivers. They were moving freight for this company, so they just laid them off. Therefore, there's a there's a positive to this that you've got some drivers that are basically leaving one organization and can go into another organization. However, it also lends to what is happening to the movement of this freight now that these drivers are not working there. Also, I was curious, was the company involved in freight brokerage? You see, the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration requires that if you register as a carrier, somebody who is moving the freight, you have to form a separate business. And if you decide to be the broker, you have to register as a separate business. They are not the same, they are separate. And that is for insurance purposes, liability purposes, and the whole nine yards. So for drivers who were driving for this company, you should get your wages because they should have a bond. And as a driver, you may be, may, may be able to get a claim based on that bond. Don't quote me, I'm not an attorney. I'm just making some hypotheticals based on what I know about bonds because I too am a freight broker. And I know if a driver drove for me and I did not pay them, 
they could make a claim against my bond and that would pay them. Now, on the other side of this, as a carrier, you have this insurance information and that's a whole different story. So I'm just putting that out there. So I did my homework and I did find out that the company was registered as a broker and the person was Todd Evans connected to that. And they were also registered as a carrier. And as a carrier, they show they had 213 drivers, 244, what was that? 244 uh, power units. I believe that's what it says. So that information just kind of helped me get an understanding of where this company, what could have impacted this company to go under. With the rise of diesel prices, with the rise insurance cost, uh, there could have been a number of things that have triggered the closing of this business. They, they couldn't incur any more debt. They had basically run the gamut. And with the firing of those three top leaders in the summer, that right there was the the main warning sign of all warning signs. Because that right there, when you have to remove the top head of the dragon, that's because the dragon's body is not doing well. That's just my fable. So if the top isn't well, the body isn't well. So that was a key indicator right there for the warning signs. So going back to this WARN um, Policy Act, employees who have been laid off can file a civil suit against the company according to this ruling. However, it's kind of iffy if you're really going to get any money. Uh, one of the, the information in here stated that you would get, uh, you could sue for like $500. Here's, here it is. It's penalties. So let's read the penalties. It says, an employer who violates the warrant provisions by ordering a plant closing or mass layoff without providing appropriate notice is liable to each aggrieved employee for an amount including back pay and benefits for the period of violation up to 60 days. The employer's liability may be reduced by such items as wages paid by the employer to the employee during the period of the violation and voluntary and unconditional payments made by the employer to the employee. An employer who fails to provide notice as required to a unit of local government is subject to civil penalty not to exceed $500 for each day of violation. This penalty may be avoided if the employer satisfies the liability to each aggrieved employee within three weeks after the closing of layoffs is ordered by the employer. So it's an if and or but. Yet, I'm going to have this information down in the show notes, both on your, uh, where I post this on Spotify and on Apple, and also on the show notes. If you can't find it there, you'll be able to find it in the show notes on YouTube. 
so that you can get this information and share it with people so that in the future, things like this, at least you'll have a, you'll, you'll be in the know. So the other, other thing I question about this is the right to work law. Cause that law to me is still a little hazy. And the only thing I could find on that law was on Wikipedia. And it stated that, um, in the context of labor law in the United States, the term right to work laws refers to state laws that prohibit union security agreements between employers and labor unions, which require employees who are not union members to contribute to the cost of union representation. Unlike the right to work definition as a human right in international law, US right to law, right to work laws do not aim to provide a general guarantee of employment to people seeking work, but rather guarantee an employee's choice of being a member of and financially supporting collective bargaining organizations, i.e. labor unions. So that's, it, to me, it's still unclear as what that means, because I know a lot of people probably be leaning on the fact that, hey, Mississippi is a right to work state and who else Mississippi they were in West Virginia and I believe that is also a right to work state and who else okay here we go so right to work states you got 28 and they are Arizona Alabama Arkansas Florida Idaho Georgia Indiana Kansas Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, Louisiana, Mississippi, they were Mississippi, Nebraska, Missouri, Nevada, North Dakota, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Dakota, South Carolina, they are in South Carolina, Winston-Salem, Tennessee, Utah, Virginia, they were in West Virginia, Texas, Wisconsin, uh, and there's a few more. But I know they were in those states so therefore they I believe they may fall or lean on that particular law it's unclear like I said I'm not an attorney I just thought that this is a good topic to talk about being that it does pertain to transportation and logistics in the labor in the labor sector of that and I have seen I know several layoffs in the transportation and logistics industry, not only in this the last six months, but also over the last few years of watching and monitoring this at usually around the holidays, there seems to be this huge dump of employees into the workforce. So, excuse me, to all of those who are out there and had this unfortunate event, you know, I send my blessings to you and hope that your family definitely gets back on its feet quickly. Stay informed. Stay knowledgeable. Keep abreast of as much as you can, because as you can see in my discussion today, not all leaders are about sharing information and not all leaders are about empowering people. And therefore, you must empower yourself. So have a wonderful, wonderful holiday as best you can. Keep your face and 
be cheerful. And if you are on the road traveling, whether you are in a 16, 18, or four-wheeler, I don't care how many wheels you got on your vehicles, I'm gonna need you to be safe. Slow down and just breathe. That's it, just breathe. It'll all get better, it will. The storm will blow over, the snow will melt, the rain will stop, the sun will come out, and you will have peace, I guarantee. All right, peace and love. I will see you on Monday. I will not post any of my videos during the holidays as I will be resting.